break down some of the top sports headlines of the week as we are halfway through the week, getting you ready for the weekend. And Ryan Pierce joins me right now as well. Ryan, so much going on. We enter the month of October, and for every sports fan, this is the best month of the year. Playoff baseball going on right in the heart of NFL and college football season. The NBA and NHL about to get started. We've got the NASCAR playoffs going on. There is something on pretty much every single night for the sports fan to enjoy. Yeah, tonight's no exception. We have a major baseball playoff game, really two today. One tonight, Thursday night football. Just tons of fun. A cornucopia of sports in October. It really is the best sports month. And we're getting into the middle of October in a couple, about a week from now. And that's right when things get to be the most busy. Well, before we go forward, I want to take a moment, Ryan, to go back in time and remember this day in history. We're going to take you all the way to 1916. That was maybe a little bit before our time. But nonetheless, check this out. Night, this day on, in 1916, Georgia Tech beat Cumberland College by a final score of 222 to nothing. It was the largest blowout in college football history. Look on the uh, right to your screen there. Maybe we can go full screen on this so you can see the details of this stat book here, the, uh, the box score. And uh, I see Urban Meyer. Let's yeah, hold on, on back that up just here. one second. Uh, we'll pull this up in just one second for you so you can see the, uh, the full screen on this. But these stats are just kind of mind-blowing that you look at here. Cumberland College that day had negative 42 rushing yards. Two of 18 through the air for 18 passing yards, six interceptions, 13 turnovers. Georgia Tech had 978 rushing yards. Didn't pass the ball one time in that game. Ran for 32 rushing touchdowns and had no turnovers in their 222 to nothing defeat over Cumberland College. Ryan, I wish I was there that day. That would have been quite the sight to see. You know, when I was in middle school, my basketball team lost 88 to 6. I think that could be topped, but this is 222 to 0. I wonder if they had a full team. Were they playing with three players compared to 11 for Cumberland? I don't know. Or uh, Georgia Tech, I guess. Man, 222 to nothing. <laughs> it's about as bad as it gets. That has to be, there, there has to be some story behind it. And there, what year is that? 1916. Yes. Okay, maybe we, I can do some research and I'll come now, back with a report next week. I'm not trying to add insult to injury, Ryan, but. Would it surprise you at all if I told you that Cumberland College doesn't play football anymore? No, after that, I wouldn't either. I, w I wonder when they quit. That's my question. Did they realize right away it was a bad decision to have a football team, or did they wait maybe 20 years and quit uh, before the Second World War? I'm not sure. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 222 to nothing. My goodness. Georgia Tech would be glad to take that right now. Yeah. Things haven't gone so hot for the... Uh, more of a basketball program. Sure. Yeah. No, you're right. But 222 nothing on this day, 1916. Let's go ahead and look at our top sports headlines of the week. Let's start with number five. Big news out of the NFL yesterday that Stephon Gilmore of the New England Patriots, all-pro cornerback, is taking his talents to the Carolina Panthers. Initially, it was reported by ESPN's Adam Schefter and other sources that Gilmore was going to be released from New England, which seemed to come out of left field. Still a guy that you think is in his prime, that's playing good football, coming off a Pro Bowl season and everything a year ago. Four-time Pro Bowler, one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and then it turned out that they were trading him. Well, all that New England got was a sixth-round pick out of Stephon Gilmore. He has one more year left on his contract this season, then he'll be a free agent next year. But you look at this Carolina Panthers team,
this is a young football team that's playing really good right now, that's building for their future. And they already have a pretty good defense. Add Gilmore to the mix. Watch out. This is huge for Carolina. Look what they did bringing in Sam Darnold in the offseason and what that did to elevate themselves offensively. And they gave up a second-round pick for Darnold. Now you bring in Stephon Gilmore to help out on that defensive side of the ball. Watch out. Matt Rule and company there in Carolina, they are building something special. I really like what the Panthers have put intact and what Matt Rule is putting together here. This is a great move for the Carolina Panthers. It's a head-scratcher for New England and Bill Belichick. And coming off a game for the Patriots where they went toe-to-toe with the defending Super Bowl champions, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday night, you see a move like this and you wonder, New England, what are you doing here? Are you just throwing in the towel in the season already? Trading an all-pro cornerback like this? That's probably the biggest question here is why let go, essentially let go. I mean, it's traded for nothing. Uh, why let go of one of the best defensive players in football? Certainly one of the best defensive backs that are out there. It did seem like a bizarre situation, especially when maybe he has a couple good games later on in the year. You have a few weeks before the trade deadline. Uh, there is still a little bit of opportunity to wait and see if they can get more for, for Gilmore. And then for Carolina, obviously realizing, hey, our division's not that great this year. We do have the Buccaneers. Saints are obviously much worse. We're off to a great start. Let's go for it. Let's give it a, uh, give it a big swing. And they are here with Gilmore. It didn't cost them very much. Yeah, great move for the Panthers. What I also wonder, too, the third aspect in this is the other teams in the league, nobody else called and said, we can one-up you, we can offer, I don't know, a third or fourth round pick even. Gilmore's still in the prime of his career, folks. And for him to only require a sixth-round pick in a trade, almost released to, might I add, just doesn't make any sense. Why wasn't a contending team that needs help at cornerback like, I don't know, Tampa Bay in the same division as Carolina, Kansas City, why would you not offer a third or fourth or even sure. a fifth-round pick? The fact that all New England got here was a sixth-round pick for an all-pro cornerback is just mind-blowing. Currency, it's different for the picks across the NFL. Some teams value picks more than others. It's like currency, I guess, maybe from country to country, where others don't. I yeah. mean, it's just bizarre to see why some teams think a sixth-round pick is worth one and some teams think it's worth something else. Right. And obviously... The Patriots, uh, don't maybe they value it too much, I guess, getting yeah. rid of uh, Gilmore. Exactly. Carolina, big winners in this trade. Matt yeah. Rule doing some good there in Carolina. Let's go to number four on our countdown, and we will head to the MLB postseason as it is officially underway. And we saw the wild card games. The Red Sox get by the Yankees. Great game last night between the Dodgers and the Cardinals, and the Dodgers ended pulling up. Pulling that one off late came down to the very end, a walk-off win for the Dodgers to advance. And so now the division series, you have the Tampa Bay Rays taking on the Boston Red Sox, the Houston Astros taking on the Chicago White Sox. And right now, Houston is leading Chicago as we speak, 6 to nothing in the top of the eighth inning. Meanwhile, the National League, San Francisco taking on the Dodgers. Good battle of two NL West teams who each won over 100 games this year. And the Brewers will face the Braves with the winner of those two series facing off in the NLCS. Now, the way the baseball playoffs work, you'll do best of five in the division series. 
and then best of seven in the championship series and the World Series. So, Ryan, with the playoffs starting here, we're already firing. We've seen some good baseball in the first couple days, and we're just getting going here. Uh, we're in for a treat when it comes to these baseball playoffs here the uh, next couple weeks. The Rays, got to be your odds-on favorite here. The Giants look good, too, but I don't see just this huge gap. No. The Red Sox, they can compete with the Rays. The White Sox, even though they're struggling right now, they can bounce back. We know the Astros are good. National League side, Giants and Dodgers, toss-up series. The Braves look to be the weakest team in this postseason. And the Brewers are no slouches either. Realistically, of these eight teams remaining, you take Atlanta out of the picture here, I think you realistically have seven teams that it would not be surprising at all if they walked away with the title. There's clearly a lot of interest now. I think the leadoff guy quite literally hit a home run last night in Chris Taylor and the Dodgers beating the Cardinals, the leadoff guy being those first couple of games for baseball. They had great games to start off the postseason, a walk-off home run. And now we go into the actual division series with high expectations. And as you mentioned, a lot of parity. It, it's tough to pick who you put your money on. There are any of these eight teams, I think, like you mentioned, uh, could be there at the end. And it is going to be fascinating over the next couple of weeks to see who comes out on top in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it certainly will be. And we'll be covering it all for you here on Local News Live. We'll be all over the MLB postseason. We talked about a couple days ago on Sports Sunday, which you can watch every Sunday night here on Local News Live at about 9.30 Eastern time, who we'd like to advance and I told you that I picked the Dodgers out of the National League. Last night they came close to being eliminated just in that wild card game alone. But now you look at this series with the Giants, and this one is going to be terrific. I mean, you look at these series ahead, the Giants and the Dodgers, it feels like a championship series. The fact that we get in the division round is almost a shame of sorts that we don't get to see the two best teams in the National League in the championship series. I think we're in for a treat that's going to go all the way to five games with the Giants and the Dodgers here. Yeah, both combined, I believe, for 209 wins, something like that. Both had over 100 wins this season. Very good, balanced rosters with some new blood into this rivalry. You know, we've, we've become accustomed to the Dodgers and Giants playing in big games over the past couple years, but there's some new players for the Giants. They brought in Chris Bryant for the Dodgers. They brought in uh, Trey Turner as well as Max Scherzer through trade. So there's a little bit of freshness in this and to match up in a division series. The ratings are going to be off the charts. Yeah. The fact that it's best of five, it's going to be quick. Each game's important. This is what October Baseball is all about. No doubt. No doubt about it. Let's go ahead and get to number three on our list. We're going to head back to the National Football League. As Chicago fans finally got the news they've been waiting for for months on end as Justin Fields, the rookie quarterback out of the Ohio State, has officially been named the full-time starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears by head coach Matt Nagy. There is no looking back now. They are now committed to Justin Fields. And initially, folks were wondering, hey, Fields is clearly better then Andy Dalton, their starting quarterback, why is he not getting the nod? And it seemed to be a protection issue where the Bears know they have a struggling offensive line, that they're not going to really do much this year, and they didn't want to hurt their franchise quarterback. 
for the foreseeable future. But now, with where he's at, he's played fairly well. There's no looking back now. They can't turn back the clock and bench Justin Fields and make him sit there and not go ahead and let him develop. He's taken his lumps. He's been heavily pressured. But now, he's trying to find his groove, find his rhythm of sorts. And when you look at this Bears team, although they aren't great, if this team is going to do anything this year, if they're going to make any run of any sorts, it's not going to be with Andy Dalton. It's going to be Justin Fields. He puts them in the best position to win. He's the future of their franchise. This is the right move. But quite frankly, this should have been done week one, Ryan. Yeah, and I think there was a devil and an angel sitting on Matt Nagy's shoulder, the Bears head coach, for the past month. And the devil was saying... Don't play him. He's not ready. Play Andy Dolan. The angel was saying, play him. It's time. Or maybe it's the other way around. I'm not sure. Maybe the devil was saying, play him. Well, I think Matt Nagy was listening to the wrong one, whichever one it was. And the guy who got into his ear this time wasn't an angel or a devil, but it was a GM, Ryan Pace. And Pace came to him and said, look, we got to play Justin Fields. You want to keep your job? Exactly. Both of them are on the hot seat in Chicago, and it's rare, maybe not so rare, at least in Chicago it is, where you have the coach and the GM on the hot seat. The GM said, look, stop messing with my job. I picked this guy. Let's see him play. He's going to play. Matt Nagy supports it. You see what happens from here. Yeah, I like Justin Fields. I think he has got a lot of potential to be a good quarterback in this league. And the best way for him to learn is going to be to throw his feet to the fire. I get it. The Bears are struggling when it comes to the offensive line and the talent that they have to protect him. It's just not there. But you got to take your lumps. You got to deal with it. And Andy Dalton, it does nobody any favors for him to be out there as a starting quarterback for the Bears. This is the right move. This is the right direction for Chicago to trust Justin Fields and let him go. Let him fly and be the Bears quarterback. And Ryan, as a Bears fan yourself, you can speak to this. Bears Nation is ecstatic about Justin Fields more so than they ever were about Mitch Trubisky or Jake Cutler or Rex Grossman. There is legit excitement about what this guy is going to do in Chicago, a franchise that has never had an elite quarterback in ever now has their guy that they're putting their faith towards. The, the energy level is something we've never seen before. There are high expectations it's just a matter of if Justin Fields can put it together or not. Yeah, well, I don't think Bears fans really accepted Trubisky, a number two overall pick after they traded up, what, in 2017, I think, or Jay Cutler. They just had to take them. They weren't their first picks. They didn't want Trubisky. They didn't want Cutler, but they had at least a good reputation, so Bears fans just accepted them. They want Justin Fields. Bears fans want him to play, and now's a chance. And Bears fans, myself included, we get a chance now to look in the mirror and say, okay, is the guy we've all been clamoring for, we've been pleading for, the coach to put in, he's going to get a chance to play. It's a test for us as well to see if our judgment was right and Justin Fields is the real deal. And the other part of this, too, that's fascinating is now with Fields officially the guy, and it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to play this weekend as he's battling an injury and Trey Lance more than likely going to get the start for San Francisco. We're about to see six rookie quarterbacks get to start this weekend. Granted, the rookie quarterbacks haven't played all that great, 
But now we're seeing right before our very eyes, Ryan, a changing of the guard in the National Football League with this many rookies under center. That is incredible. Six out of the 32 teams have not just a rookie quarterback, but a rookie quarterback in the first quarter of his first NFL season. Sometimes we might see this happen towards the end of the year where maybe two or three rookie quarterbacks are starting. But in early October, to have six already here, you're right, it does reflect a changing of the guard in the NFL. And I think it also reflects how much some teams need freshness. We have more eyes on the NFL than normal this year. There's more attention being paid to rosters and clocks tick quicker. Clocks for coaches, GMs, players, and they need some fresh blood. Yeah, and although the rookie quarterbacks, for the most part, have not looked great, you're still seeing improvement. Zach yeah. Wilson looked a lot better last week getting that win against Tennessee compared to just a couple weeks ago when he threw four interceptions. Trevor Lawrence, the highly touted quarterback out of Clemson, number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, didn't really play that well in the first three weeks. Last week, despite the loss against Cincinnati, it was not his fault. He played well. He did his part. I expect these rookie quarterbacks to get better and... It's still an open competition to see who's going to be Rookie of the Year. Might not be even a quarterback who's Rookie of the Year, but still a ways to go in this process. Six quarterbacks, and you may be wondering, okay, yeah, there was five picked in the first round. Fields, uh, just you know, just Lawrence. Fields, Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, uh, along with Trey Lance, uh, Trey Lance and uh, the fifth Mac one on that list. Mac Jones. Mac yeah. Jones. Yep, you got it. You may be saying to yourself, who was the sixth? Davis Mills is starting in Houston right now, out of Stanford. You may not know who he is. That's okay. The Texans are not anything to write home about by any means. But those are six quarterbacks all getting their chance to play right now. It's pretty interesting to see what's going on there. Let's go to number two on our list. And that is four top 25 matchups in college football this weekend. Big week ahead in college football. What you're seeing on your screen right now that is the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas. That is where Oklahoma will be taking on Texas, the number six team in the land. The Oklahoma Sooners taking on number 21, Texas, in what I believe is the best rivalry in all of college football. It's going to be at the State Fair of Texas. Mm. The Cotton Bowl will be filled. They'll split the stadium 50-50 at the 50-yard line with Texas fans and OU fans yelling back and forth. This game last year was phenomenal, went to four overtimes. You got a new head coach at Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. Texas, they didn't look great a couple weeks ago when they lost to Arkansas. They've bounced back and played a lot better football. Oklahoma at 5-0, and a top-10 team, but they haven't done anything impressive to this point. Sure, they have their wins, but they're not getting the style points. So this appears to be a toss-up game, one of the most interesting Red River shootouts in quite some time with Oklahoma as a three-point favorite. Also this weekend in the top 25, top four matchup between Iowa and Penn State. Iowa number three, Penn State number four. If the college football playoff started today, these two teams would be in the playoff. Playoff implications in this matchup between Iowa and Penn State, and the winner of this game puts themselves in the driver's seat to make the Big Ten championship. Should be a good one between those two. And I know that the names, you might say Iowa, Penn State, sounds boring. Folks, this is not your grandma's Iowa or Penn State. This is going to be a fun game between these two. 
in the SEC. Number 13, Arkansas, takes on number 17, Ole Miss. Both these teams lost games last week in ugly fashion. Now they're looking to bounce back, get back on track, and hope to get to the SEC title game. They have their work cut out for them. If either team is going to make the SEC championship, this Arkansas Ole Miss game is a must-win game for both these teams. And then you have Georgia taking on Auburn. Georgia, number two in the country. Auburn, number 18 in the land. Georgia has looked as good as anybody in college football right now. Personally, I think they're better than Alabama uh, at this point in time. Auburn has surprised some folks. There was not a whole lot of expectations for the Tigers entering 2021 with a new head coach, Brian Harson out of Boise State. But they got a big upset win against LSU last week. They're 4-1 on the season. They went toe-to-toe with Penn State, one of the top four teams in the country just a couple weeks ago. Maybe Auburn can make things interesting against Georgia. So four top 25 matchups in college football this Saturday. Ryan, I know I'm biased. I'm most excited about Red River between Oklahoma and Texas. Would love to see my Sooners pull this off. That's the game that's got my eye. What about you when you look at these games? What catches your attention? You know, I'm looking forward to that Iowa-Penn State game. Just being a Big Ten fan, it's rare that those two teams are in the top ten, let alone, you know, borderline playoff ready, college football playoff ready, top four teams in the country. That game is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But I'm, I'm excited for this because of what we see right here. I love the split field. I think that's one of the most fun traditions in college football where you have one team's end zone on one side, the other on the other. You know, you get the Mona Lisa, the Last Supper. There's so many famous paintings. I prefer this. <laughs> this image is so much prettier it's than iconic. any of them. Um, American Gothic, whatever you want to throw out there. This is the best picture. That split field with Texas on one side, Oklahoma on the other. You have the crowd split in terms of their colors. I love what they do in college basketball, too, but I think for football, it just adds something to it. There's not many images better in sports than that. I, I'm looking at that, Ryan, yeah. and as an Oklahoman. Man, I, I get a little homesick. I'm almost about sure. to cry right now looking at that image. You know, mm -hmm. Oklahoma and Texas, uh, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And we've seen some classic games over the years. Good SEC matchup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very soon. Very soon. 2025. Maybe even sooner than that. Uh, you know, two iconic brands in OU and Texas, you know, whether it's Boomer Sooner or Hook'em Horns and such. And I would say that when you look at that matchup, too, Oklahoma, if they win, it doesn't matter how they do it. Just win and take care of business, get out of there with a victory. For Texas, I think they're trying to prove something here. You had the ugly loss against Arkansas. You've played better ever since. Yeah. B. John Robinson looks like one of the best running backs in the country. The quarterback play has been much better for UT since they uh, handed things over to Casey Thompson. And so now it's put up or shut up time for Texas. For years we've asked, is Texas back? Is Texas not back? Now's your chance to do it on a national stage, to beat your biggest rival in the best rivalry in college football. Huge opportunity for the Longhorns and their new head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, here. I think uh, Texas is going to play with a chip on their shoulder. they got something to prove here against Oklahoma in this game. Should be fun. Big weekend in college football. Number one on our list, Urban Meyer. Mm. Oh, man. That's a meme right there. What an interesting few days it's been for Urban Meyer. The video I'm sure you folks have seen right now, we can't show it to you, but if you haven't, Already, it's circulating the interwebs of 
Urban Meyer at his own bar over this past weekend where he had a young girl of college age on his lap that was not his wife, and that's made the rounds. And, I mean, you can go see it for yourself. We're not going to show you here. And then the fallout of that. It wasn't just the fact that Urban Meyer was at a bar and seen with young women that he was not married to. It's the other stuff with it as well. The fact that he didn't fly back with the team to Jacksonville after the loss on Thursday night football last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. And then the days that followed with canceling the team meetings on Monday and the apology, non-apology for him bringing his own quarterback into this, Trevor Lawrence, when he was making this apology, he talked about Trevor Lawrence having a bachelor party in Vegas and being worried for his quarterback and such. Why do you have to bring Trevor involved in this? So for Urban Meyer, look, this guy has been very successful at the college level. But the point is, Urban Meyer is not cut out to coach in the National Football League. He does not have what it takes to coach at this level because he doesn't have the character to coach at this level. We've seen that time and time again. It has been a train wreck the last few months of him in Jacksonville. You go back to the early days when he brings in a strength and conditioning coach with a track record of making racist remarks. Has to let him go. Then he has this idea, I'm going to play Tim Tebow at a position he's never played before at tight end for the Jags. How'd that work out? Well, Tebow was cut by about week two of the preseason. And the list goes on and on. Making a quarterback battle out of Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew, when everyone and their mother knew that Trevor Lawrence was going to be the starting quarterback in Jacksonville, and all you did was take away first-team reps from your starting quarterback, your rookie that needed every rep out there. Look, Urban Meyer is a fool. That's plain and simple. Case in point. Jacksonville is going to be so much better off when they move on from this guy. This is a franchise that has been such an embarrassment on the field the last several years. And now... It's this guy, Urban Meyer, that's making them even more of an embarrassment off the field than compared to the lousy product they're putting on it. What a mess in Jacksonville, Ryan. Sometimes I think a snake can survive when it's in its own hole and it never comes out and its food is fed to them. But when the snake gets out of the grass and it starts to slither into unknown territory, it gets itself in trouble. It might find a, a bigger predator, a bird, maybe a human with... A knife or something, whatever it may be. My point is, when you have character flaws, as you mentioned, you can only hide them for so long, and usually you can hide them where you're familiar, where you have this universe around you, this place that you're comfortable and that you can be who you are. When you step out, it, out of it onto a bigger stage, an equal stage, even a smaller stage, whatever it is, those character flaws, when that safety net around you, that's the comfort of your own home, your whole in this case, is gone, you get exposed. And I think, as you mentioned it, Urban Meyer is not a good man of character, at least it appears that way, um, depending, I guess, on what your values are, but by most people's assessment. And it's being exposed a little bit. He's, not also, he's also not a very good roster builder. He's made some poor decisions, one of them trying to bring on Tim Tebow as a tight end. Look, obviously he's got a great reputation, for the most part, at least when it comes to wins and losses, as a college coach. 
but he's in uncharted territory. The waters were going to be rough. It's Jacksonville, and he's not been able to steer that ship to shore. And he's not just been an inadequate coach. He is doing things as an inadequate person, and that is a bigger issue. I think you said it perfectly, though. He's just not a man of good character, plain and simple. No, simply put. Urban Meyer is a problem. And this is a guy that has said over the years that the job of a coach is not to get in the way of his own players and be a distraction and to let the team win on their own merits and to do things their way. And he's gone exactly against what he's preached for years and such. Urban Meyer is a phony. He is not the person that he puts himself out to be. And we are seeing this firsthand, that he is being exposed in real time. And the end of his tenure in Ohio State wasn't pretty. Remember yeah. the uh, you know, whole domestic violence dispute involving one of his own assistant coaches there and a potential cover-up that ended up getting Urban Meyer suspended in his final season at Ohio State. So, look, Urban Meyer, I think the idea that people had talked about with this was, okay, he's going to go to the Jags, he's going to coach Trevor Lawrence, and if it works out, he'll be there a few years, and you know, we'll see what happens. But when things got difficult, that he might start looking at college options. Well, in particular, USC, which... We've made note of that opening. And now you see this type of thing go on. I don't even know if USC is interested in Urban Meyer anymore, despite how great his track record is on the field at the college level, winning multiple national championships. That's how far he has digged himself into a hole in this mess that he might not be able to land a good college job yeah, at this point. Yeah, when you have a scandal like what he had this week involving, first of all, somebody that's much younger than him, and more significantly, probably, something that's not his wife. Usually, that is frowned upon more in the student environment. Of course, you want to be a mentor for young people, and clearly, that's uh, not an example of somebody that does that very well. Now, at the professional level, the NFL level, sometimes you can get a pass and get onto another team, even if you have that kind of history. The problem is, you got to be good to do that, and he's not even good right now. So it seems like both of his options have taken a hit over the past couple of weeks, one from a character perspective and just one from a simple win and loss record. Right. And this is a guy that, when you look at his career, when times get difficult, tends to give up. When Alabama was starting to come along under Nick Saban, all of a sudden, Urban Meyer was out of there and retired for health reasons to spend time with his family. And then the next year, we see him pop up at Ohio State. That was yeah. a little odd. Hmm. Yeah. Everything get better, Urban? You don't want to spend time with your family anymore? What happened there? And then, of course, we mentioned with how his tenure ended at Ohio State with the scandal involving one of his assistant coaches. And all of a sudden, he's gone, and Ryan Day steps up to take over that job. So I don't know if Urban's going to last, whether he gets fired or whether he resigns. But whatever it may be between those two things, I think the odds of Urban Meyer making it through the end of the season, all 17 games, remember, we're only through four weeks, we got a are to probably go. pretty slim at this point in time, Ryan. Yeah, we, uh, we're just past the first straight. If we're doing a marathon here, the Animals Marathon, we're maybe, what, 0.3, maybe a quarter of a mile in right now? It's a, it's a long way to go. 
We got a, a while to go and Urban's off to uh, a tricky. The Jaguars do not deserve Trevor Lawrence. That's who I feel <laughs> bad for in all this. Is Trevor Lawrence? You have to put up with all these shenanigans, and here's a guy that's going to be an elite quarterback in this league and yeah. has no talent around him. He's got a head coach that's just out of whack. Man, I feel bad for Trevor. Trevor deserves better than what Jacksonville's given him. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, th that is a guy of good character, it seems. The way yes. he's handled the past week, he's really been the leader. He's been the adult in the room. Uh, what, a 21-year-old, 22-year-old kid? So yeah. he's, he's done great. And I think that is the reflection that people need to, or the person we need to look at and say, okay, this is somebody who understands how to be a leader because he has been put in a tough spot and done very well with it. So yeah. kudos to Trevor for being a, a person of good character yes. over this past week. Go Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So there you have it. That's a look at our top sports headlines of the week. We appreciate you joining us.